No, I'm not. Muted. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and sunny greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world, what's happening in news and media, and what you should probably believe with all the propaganda and, uh, what is it? Is it mass psychosis? That's happening. Mass formation psychosis is mass, the new term we're all going to use. Yeah, mass formation psychosis. Um, I wanted to uh, kick off the program talking about that because, see, this is the subject that was brought up by Dr. Robert Malone, a guy who holds patents for the mRNA technology that created the COVID-19 vaccine. And he was on Joe Rogan's program, what, a couple weeks ago now? And uh, yeah. it has caused... Much uh, rending of clothes and gnashing of teeth from the left because Joe Rogan not only uh, already committed the cardinal sin of not dying of coronavirus, um, even though he's unvaccinated. So that was the first uh, thing that he did wrong. But then he had this complete anti-vaxxer, as they say. He had an an anti-vaxxer on his program, even though the guy created... Um, the vaccine technology used for coronavirus. He's an anti-vaxxer because anyone who goes against the administration is an anti-vaxxer. But we're going to talk a little bit about that and we'll obviously get into um, proving that it exists with some hilarious stories and some hilarious COVID takes. Um, But on top of that, uh, we also had the um, anniversary of... Literally 9-11 times 12. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> the terrifying reality of 9-11 times Pearl Harbor equals boomers walking around and taking selfies in the Capitol. Uh, lots mm-hmm. of lots of hot takes. Uh, lots of garbage takes. But let's just get into the... Um, let, let's just get into the serious, like down there. I've heard a lot of comment, uh, commentators. Well, I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk about my week in a second. Um, but I've, I've heard a lot of commentators have uh, positions on this. A lot of people have been playing the. Um, a lot of people have been playing the different takes and stuff and uh, responding to them. So there's been a lot of right wing commentators that have obviously brought up all of the hilarity that is. Uh, the uh, President Biden and uh, Vice President Kamala Harris's statements uh, during their silly little address from the Capitol Rotunda or whatever it was, or wasn't the Rotunda, but um, from the Capitol chamber, as yeah. well as CNN hosting an entire special. I think it, it's actually very obvious. The only people who give a damn about January 6th are the elites and the media. Not a single American gave a shit about January 6th and still don't. It's just, it's yeah, just think, not a thing. So many liberals, we talked about this last week, um, where it was just, I don't know any liberals in like real life 
you know, that aren't on social media. I don't know any liberals in real life that bring up January 6th. And I think we know why. Like, as a regular human being, you can't because any right winger would just be like, um, the entire summer of 2020, Black Lives Matter riots, Antifa, Mara. And then they go, well, uh, and they don't want to fight. Like, well, that's different because it's my team. Yeah, exactly. And so that makes this actually all the more craven because it's all it is literally is the Democrat Party and their media apparatchiks trying so desperately to make this a thing and nobody's buying even their own base doesn't give a damn about this because it's that stupid. Yeah. Like, you know, it's bad that even the most diehard liberals are avoiding this outside of social media because they just can't. They literally supported rioting this entire time. And yeah. they can't just turn around and suddenly become pro-police and pro-big government and pro-federal authorities and, like, against, like, oh, writing's just so disgusting and bad. Like, they can't. And part yeah. of it, part of it, too, is every liberal has to leave that door open for the next time a police officer shoots an armed black guy. Right. So, well, and that's that is the thing that, like you said, that's why liberals don't care. That's why it does not matter to liberals about January sixth, mm-hmm. because they they look at it and go, "Well, that's just the same as the Black Lives Matter riots, or it's not that much different." I can't. They could make. Uh, they they can't. Um, manufacture as much natural revulsion towards it as they're being asked to do. Right. Liberal liberals, Democrat voting Americans that maybe even want to think it was a bad thing will simply speak of it. And this has been my experience in the same terms. They speak of the black lives matter riots. When, if you press them on and say, well, these riots caused billions in property damage and dozens of deaths, They'll say, yeah, no, I think it was really regrettable. Like, the riots are always bad. I, you know, it was not good that these happened. And then when you – and then they feel – it feels like they have the same energy towards January 6th. Like, yeah, I don't, they don't think it's good. You shouldn't do that. Shouldn't go to the Capitol. It, it just is – the cognitive dissonance of demonizing it to the extent they're being asked to by the Democrat Party I think is beyond the bounds of current cognitive dissonance for them. Because it, because it's so obvious that they are also being asked to excuse all of the Black Lives Matter riots, and those things are just too dis, they're just it's just too much for people to process, and that's why I think most liberals just don't think about January sixth. They go, ah, I would like the Black Lives Matter riots that they know were horrifying. It becomes this black memory hole for them. And this, this is for Democrat voting Americans. Just the normal Democrat walking the streets that's not a hardcore activist. I get the sense that they just don't think about it. You have to actively drag up, well, hey, what about the Black Lives Matter riots? Oh, yeah, those did happen, huh? Same with January 6th. Like, what about January 6th? Oh, yeah, that did happen, right. It's not something I feel they dwell on on a daily basis because it is, there's too much cognitive dissonance around it. So it just, I think they mostly just, 
kind of ignore that it happened and ignore all the pleas by the party for them to think about it. Now, there was some in- interesting thing because, like, like I said, um, we, we've kind of – well, um, the only people who care about this are the elites and uh, the uh, – yeah, the, the elites and the um, others. Um, <laughs> the, the elites and uh, the media is uh, Tucker Carlson went after Senator Ted Cruz, which is something I've been begging for for a while, uh, as, as I've told people shortly after um, January 6th when a lot of the election questions were coming up and, and things like that. Uh, one of the things that I brought up was I was listening to uh, Louder with Crowder, and on, on that program, they discussed the entire Brian Sicknick, Officer Brian Sicknick, who did not die due to anything affiliated with the uh, January 6th protest. He was not hit over the head with a fire extinguisher, even though every media outlet claimed he was. Um, none of that actually happened. He died of a stroke that was not caused by any sort of violence. It was just a stroke. I listened to Steven Crowder break all of that down and then later have... Senator Ted Cruz on his program, who then repeated the media lie that a police officer had been killed during the January 6th protest to no pushback. And I remember just being infuriated because there's a responsibility that we have as commentators and things like that to to not just let people walk around spreading, basically spreading liberal propaganda. Now, I'm not right. trying to specifically just target one person. There's so many people did this. But once again, we were left completely disappointed because January 6th happened. And what did we get? We got Senator Ted Cruz out there pleading to the left and talking about how awful and terrible it was. Yeah, weird. And why would you do that, Ted? Yeah. And the the dumbassery of it is this. It, it is there. There has to be. There, there has to be an acknowledgement that, like, cons- well, as as H.G. Cynical saying here, um, conservative Inc. A is either just playing for the same team, or B, they're getting advice from people that are ingrained in liberalism. I believe that the consultant class in Washington D.C. basically anybody who rushes to Washington D.C. for a career is more than likely already propagandized by the left is already trained in progressivism and already views everything from a progressive lens. And the reason why I say that is it's the kind of dumbassery that you'll see that consistently cripples uh, conservatism and people on the right, which is, well, we were against violent mobs and violent protests during the entire summer of 2020 and all the Black Lives Matter stuff. So we have to be against it no matter what. No matter what, yeah, it doesn't just, even matter if it's justified, doesn't even matter if yeah, there's exactly. a legitimate reason. If it's an angry mob chasing down a child molester who was caught diddling kids in a park, the conservatives would have to say, well, I'm against renegade the, the, the violent mobs. Yeah, they consistently. Yeah, it's the same people that whinge and complain that say, well, I don't like January 6th because Political violence is never the answer ever. It's like, yep. um, Thomas Jefferson murdered people <laughs> or called, like, there was a war 
that was fought by the founding fathers over the principles of liberty, and they had no problem killing people. George Washington crossed the uh, – what was the river? The Delaware. George Washington rode across a river with his troops on Christmas Day to murder German mercenaries while they slept. Yep. That is – the. but there's no cause for political violence ever. It's always bad. It's cowardice. All of these pleas by Republicans and Republican-adjacent people on the right condemning political violence almost always has a nexus in cowardice more than it has a nexus in actual moral thought. It simply is the same – it's the same uh, kind of thinking as I, if I just constantly prove that I'm not racist, the less left will stop. Let me let me let me grovel to them and and prove how I'm not racist, and then they'll stop, and and somehow then I'll I'll win the country back. It's like no 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 you don't like the the problem is that a, a lot of this comes from people just wanting to be left alone, which is a very understandable con, kind of conservative trait. Just leave me alone, and they think. If I condemn violence, if nobody goes out and does anything, if everybody just stays home and meekly just votes and nobody rocks the boat, then then we'll just win and and that'd be great. But I think what it really comes down to is I don't want to have to put anything on the line to have a win. I want to just work my job, accrue my retirement, retire in peace, enjoy my life, and I don't want anything to, and I want things to interfere with that less than I want to actually get involved. Because if we talk about, if, if this is the same problem I had with, say, Jordan Peterson and a lot of these people, is same with Ben Shapiro, is the whole premise of the argument that many people are making right now is the country is under threat. The Democrat Party, these giant corporations, these Democrat activist groups, the World Economic Forum, are all working together to destroy civil liberties and destroy the future of the American nation. That is the basic premise of a lot of right-wing commentators across the spectrum. But then when people say, wow, well, we should probably elect someone like Donald Trump that's actually going to fight that, or we should organize and make sure that all these attempts to foster some socialist revolution in America fail. We need to organize and be active at stopping this. All of the same people trying to convince me that there's this progressive Marxist socialist group trying to take over America suddenly recoil in horror at the idea that we would actually do something to stop it and go, no, that's mean. That's that, that's bad. Oh, don't organize. Don't try to stop this. Don't go to school board meetings and try to take back your kid's education. Oh, for the love of God, don't elect somebody that's outside of the mainstream Republican establishment. Oh, no, you're going to go march. You're going to go march somewhere, then protest actively. Oh, gosh, that's going to make that's bad. Don't do that. The condemnation of people on the right from other people on the right who are, is shocking, and I think a lot of it comes from the idea that most people would rather not get involved because they don't want to put anything on the line. Because they know in their heart of hearts, if they just shut up and, and don't do anything, they probably will get to enjoy their nice retirement. They'll all of these, you know, things they've worked for will come due. Nothing will rock the boat. They'll get to enjoy, you know, and and everything will be kind of fine. Like, sure, guns might get confiscated, and freedom of speech might get destroyed, and 
you know, your cities are going to get overrun with crime and, you know, your voting won't matter anymore. Sure, all that might happen, but at the end of the day, you still have your house. You know, everything's still fine. You, you might even still have your job. It's it's the people with nothing. The people that have that want nothing, want to lose nothing are the people that condemn any action that might be risky. Right. And I think that's what a lot of it comes down to is fear and cowardice and a lack of ability to take responsibility and put anything on the line. Because ask yourself, what are you willing to risk to ensure that the plans of the people trying to destroy your country are foiled? What would you risk? And if you lost, what would be worth losing in order for all of the plans of the Democrats and people you don't like being frustrated? If, if CRT was never taught in schools again to any American school children, what would you be willing to lose to make that happen? What would you be willing to lose to make all of the COVID, COVID nonsense go away? Would you lose your job? Would you lose your house? But you get that victory. And I think that's the calculus a lot of people do not want to consider because at the end of the day, they're too attached to the lifestyle they've created, which probably is very nice. And they don't want to risk it for, well, they just don't want to risk it. That's, that's how it seems to me. It seems like all of the condemnation of the right by the right is more born of cowardice than any actual moral principle. Well, we're going to, um, <clears throat> let me play this clip of uh, Ted Cruz and Tucker Carlson real quick. Um, and I, I want to break the interesting response down because I, I think that this is actually a good lesson for people like Ted Cruz and people, um, you know, conservatives in Washington, D.C. and in the political establishment, um, because there's a very good lesson to be learned here. And now, just as a warning uh, to the audience, uh, this is going to sound very obvious to a lot of you, but apparently this has not been and must be said uh, to these morons in Washington, D.C. and in other capitals throughout the United States uh, because there's literally nobody in the consulting class of politics uh, explaining these very simple things to them. But let, let's play the clip real quick. Here's Ted Cruz uh, on Tucker Carlson. Carelessly. Um, and yet you called this a terror attack when by no definition was it a terror attack. That's a lie. You told that lie on purpose, and I'm wondering why you did. Well, Tucker, thank you for having me on. When you aired your episode last night, I, I sent you a text shortly thereafter and said, listen, I'd like to go on because the way I phrased things yesterday, it, it was sloppy and, and it was frankly dumb. And, I don't and buy that. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. I don't buy that. For, look, I've known you a long time since before you went to the Senate. You were a Supreme Court contender. You take words as seriously as any man who's ever served in the Senate. And every word you repeated that phrase, I do not believe that you used that accidentally. I just don't. It's, so, Tucker, as a result of my sloppy phrasing, it's caused a lot of people to misunderstand what I meant. Let me tell you what, what I meant to say. What I was referring to are, are the limited number of people who engaged in violent attacks against police officers. Now, I think you and I both agree that if you assault a police officer, you should go to jail. That's who I was talking about. And the reason the phrasing was sloppy is I have talked dozens, if not hundreds of times. I've drawn a distinction. I wasn't saying that the thousands of peaceful protesters supporting Donald Trump are somehow terrorists. I wasn't saying the millions of, of, of patriots across the country supporting President Trump are terrorists. And that's what 
a lot of people have misunderstood well, that well, comment. Wait a I second, but even you yeah. wait, but hold on. What you just said doesn't make sense. So if somebody assaults a cop, he should be charged and go to jail. I couldn't agree more. Mm -hmm. We have said that for years. But that person's still not a terrorist. How many people have been charged with terrorism on January sixth? So like, why'd you None. use that word? You're playing into the other side's characterization that, as Joe Kent just explained, allows them to define an entire population as foreign combatants. And you know that. So why'd you do it? So, so Tucker, let me answer you directly. The, the reason I use that word for a decade, I have referred to people who violently assault police officers as terrorists. I've done so over and over and over again. If you look at all the assaults we've seen across the country, I've called that terrorism over and over again. That being said, Tucker, I agree with you. It was a mistake to say that yesterday. And the reason is what you just said which is we've now had a year. Okay. So interestingly enough, the, the big contention that Tucker Carlson has is why did you refer to this as terrorism? And um, obviously you get uh, Ted Cruz apologizing. Oh, you know, I used sloppy phrasing. That was, that was bad. Uh, but he says, you know, well, it's because people who assault cops. That's what I was talking about. I was talking about people who assault police. Well, let's just be honest. We, we have laws for what happens if you assault a police officer. You're still not a terrorist. Right. You're, you're still not a terrorist for assaulting a police officer. That happens. We have laws that take care of it. It does not make you, as Tucker Carlson very poignantly um, points out, that does not make you a foreign combatant. We've talked incessantly on this program, one of the things yeah. that you don't hear other programs talk about is word words mean things, but there there's uh, we, we like to refer to it as the checkbox or, or uh, the, the checklist and um, using terms, especially when you're in things like the legislature, the intelligence community, the law enforcement community, using terms like terrorism checks a very specific box that activates some very specific weapons and some very specific uh, legal uh, ramifications and abilities and things that make rights go away. Yeah. And so when a... And that mm -hmm. is the problem. That's when you... When you call something terrorism, that is not simply using words. That's not simply just a word. Mm -hmm. When something gets called terrorism and then it falls... If something is defined as terrorism, there is a legal definition for that that the U.S. government uses. And the whole point of that is that you can then bring in a different tool set. It's like in an emergency, you can't deploy the National Guard and open up all these other tools unless the governor declares a state of emergency. But once that bureaucratic box is checked, all of these other things become available to respond. It's the same with allegations about terrorism. If you define something as terrorism, if it if it meets if it meets the list, if it's on the list that the government makes of things that are terrorisms, then the bureaucratic box gets checked and it stops being a regular crime and becomes a super crime where you then get to bring in all of the civil rights destroying or civil rights bypassing Patriot Act intelligence community it becomes a national security threat. Mm -hmm. That is the real danger of calling things terrorism. If it's terrorism, it is no longer simply a civil crime 
in the United, uh, you know, breaking laws of the United States government. It is now a national security threat, an existential threat to the safety and security of the people of the United States. And against those threats, a whole different set of rules, a whole much less restrictive set of rules applies. Because what the your civil liberties only extend as far as they become a, a threat to the United States. Mm-hmm. Your civil liberties only extend as far as they become an existential threat to the safety and security of the United States. So it's the same reason you can't, say, sell secrets to a foreign power or collaborate with a foreign power against the United States. All of those things are considered a threat to the United States, and that's where your civil liberties end. Whether we like it or not, that is how it works, which is why calling something terrorism is opens a very dangerous can of worms, and Ted Cruz knows better. He knows that that's how it works, and he's choosing to ignore the can of worms that he's opening for political theater. Right. Well, and, and to to be, uh, I mean, not not in a defense of Ted Cruz. It's uh, well, why'd you call it terrorism? Why'd you use that word? I mean, that that was that was the big big push, right? Yeah. Um, the reason why they used that, or the reason why he used that word, is because he's sitting in Washington D.C., where all they talk about is how it was terrorism. Right. What he didn't want to acknowledge is, well, everybody around me calls it terrorism. And it's like, oh, so you're an idiot. Unlike regular normal Americans who know that the left consistently tries to weaponize language and consistently uses bad faith arguments, you're just sitting there with your buddies, you know, oh, well, I go out to lunch with these Democrat senators and we all just kind of hang out and I see them every single day and... Now, like, I don't expect senators to walk around with this jaundiced eyes and like a knife, like, like on their belt, ready to, you know, do battle in the Senate necessarily. But you still have to acknowledge that as a party, these people are not looking at the same, like at the self-interest of your constituents. That's the entire point of the United States Senate is that you are supposed to be looking after the self-interest of your state. And none of those people across that aisle have the self-interest of your state. And, and the thing that I want to point out here when it comes to Ted Cruz is so, okay. So Ted Cruz said it was a terrorism and the right rightfully. So was like, uh, screw Ted Cruz. What a piece of garbage. Not a single liberal went, Ted Cruz is a great senator standing against the, the, you know, the evil great powers. Oh, he's so wonderful. Nope, that didn't happen. Ted Cruz is still the piece of crap. Ted Cruz, believe it or not, there are plenty of Democrat senators who said that Ted Cruz should have to resign from the Senate. People seem to forget this. Like, Number one, if he says, well, I've consistently over my entire career have said anybody who assaults police officers, um, you know, should be, uh, you know, should be charged as a terrorist. Awesome. So what exactly was it that you did, Senator Cruz, um, when uh, things were on fire in 2020? What, what was it you were doing when you had a Republican majority in the Senate? 
uh, when entire cities were brought to their knees by Antifa, uh, by Antifa activists burning down and assaulting citizens, which I think uh, holds a uh, assaulting cops. I don't see as terrorism as much as assaulting your fellow citizens, murdering your fellow citizens. I see that as as yeah. terrorism when people go out and assault their fellow citizens burn down their businesses burn down their homes um chase them out of their own cities uh cause them to have to live in fear within their own homes i see that as terrorism because that's all done for the uh i want my political thing do my political thing which by the way is not noted enough and the reason why right. i say that is after all of the Black Lives Matter stuff for years, not just the summer of 2020, for years, I remind you, for years, trials have been swayed through political, like violent political activism recently. You had mm-hmm. literally, you have an entire swath of this country that still believes a bunch of lies about Michael Brown. Yeah. Hands up, don't shoot. Yep. They still believe a bunch of lies about Michael Brown because violent mobs said so. A bunch of cops got murdered. A bunch of Dallas police officers got murdered by a Black Lives Matter member. I don't see Black Lives Matter getting listed as a as a terrorist uh, organization. We So n- not just the Dallas police officers that were shot by a Black Lives Matter activist and killed, which, by the way, for those of you who don't remember... That was when they had the big funeral and Barack Obama went up there and crapped on police officers in front of dead police officers, families in front of their caskets. Yeah. And talked about how we need to reform policing. He blamed police officers at the funeral of dead police officers at the hands of a Black Lives Matter activist. But not only did that happen, if you guys do some quick research and you use the Google box to help you out, um, you'll remember that shortly after all the Michael Brown stuff and all this Black Lives Matter stuff, there were police officers throughout the United States, in but primarily in places like New York, who were being assassinated sitting in their vehicles. Does anyone remember yeah. that? That happened. Like, there were several instances where a police officer's just sitting in their patrol vehicle and somebody would come up and shoot them. Yeah. But I don't recall ever, I don't recall ever seeing any, I don't recall seeing Senator Ted Cruz, and maybe I'm wrong, but I don't recall seeing him say, well, you need to list Black Lives Matter as a terrorist organization. Did that, did that ever happen? Did I miss that Would he do that? Even if it would, does Ted Cruz have the stones to actually call Black Lives Matter a terrorist organization? No, it's even If they were deserving of the, of the moniker, I would think no. But by his own definition, it is. But he just, uh, for some reason, he didn't feel to do anything about it. W- weirdly enough, though, need I remind everyone um, that there is a January 6th commission. Yep. There's a January 6th commission, everybody. There's, there's, a, there's a congressional commission to investigate January 6th. But we have a senator who claims that any assault against a police officer's terrorism, we had police officers being um, assassinated for years now. Um, and being attacked regularly, uh, and I don't, I don't recall him taking the risk of saying I think that this is terrorism and it needs to be stopped. There, there are, there are members of Congress who would blatantly call this terrorism, and they are roundly uh, attacked 
by their own side. Those are people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Louis Gomer, yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, you know, Paul Gosar. We'll, we'll see yeah. representatives like that consistently say, yeah, no, these people are terrorists. And they should be punished. And everyone goes, well, I just hate all the dumb things they say. Oh, they're so embarrassing. Disavow. Disavow. Oh, I disavow. Oh, I disavow so hard. Oh, please, liberals, don't don't make fun of me. Oh, please, Rachel Maddow, please don't don't say bad things about me. Oh, Ted, I hate to tell you, they still hate you. I it, again, I don't see what it gets people other than they get to not have to re- suffer the ramifications of taking a political stance. Yeah. It, again, I, I repeat myself that it seems like that is entirely um, entirely motivated by cowardice because they know because they know, like we all know, that the left has a huge amount of power over the rest of all of our lives. And they refuse to acknowledge that fact, because if they acknowledge that fact, then the demand will be that they do something to fix it. And that takes responsibility and risk, and they just want to sit and collect the paycheck from the American government, insider trade and make millions, and not have to take any real risks. I will say, the the um, I agree with your position with one caveat. Ooh. I don't think, in all honesty, it is a risk. I think it's a boon. The people who stand up against this stuff are far more liked, even yeah. even when they're squishes. Like, I mean, I look yeah. at places like here in Virginia. There is nothing remarkable about Glenn Youngkin. Not a damn thing really that remarkable about Glenn Youngkin as far as a Republican candidate. He is not... He's not a firebrand. He's not outside the mainstream. He is pretty boilerplate. But he took the risk, quote, 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 risk of standing up for parents that were protesting at school board meetings, which wasn't, by the way, that was not really that risky. But if you went by the left wing media's coverage, oh, it was super risky. Oh, like there's nothing risky about the position of parents should have a say in their children's education. But if you only paid attention, he was lit. Basically, he was taken as a firebrand by the D.C. elite. He was taken as a firebrand by the media for taking the least risky position which is you should have a say in your kid's education but that's how yeah. that that's how this this dumb microcosm of the swamp works these people are moronic and i just i don't know who i need to talk to in washington dc to say fire all of your aides every senate aide that you have fire them you should only ever hire people from the state with which you represent Stop hiring a bunch of Georgetown graduates that are just a bunch of shit libs to do all of your papers for you, Senator, who are going to come up and say, well, Mr. Senator, um, according to the polls, uh, Frank Luntz, who's a giant progressive piece of garbage, and um, all of these other things that I see say that uh, January 6th is a giant terrorist attack and Americans are super scared. Oh, where did you hear that? Oh, I got it from my Media Matters blog that I'm subscribed to because I'm actually a Democrat and I hate you. I've also been leaking all of your uh, messages to us, um, to all of the uh, activists on the other side. 
Yep. I, I'm ready to roll over on you the minute the January 6th Inquisition asks me any questions. I'll tell them that you're a terrorist. <laughs> I don't know why this is so difficult. Yeah. <laughs> like, <clears throat> anyway, so, um, yeah, no, the, fa- the fact of the matter is, is that th- this is uh, everybody sees this as idiocy. And it is a very fascinating view of how dumb D.C. is. Um, and, and honestly, how right. sheltered they are. They live in their own little stupid world, um, especially for somebody coming from Texas. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. What actually here's here's an interesting thought. What police officer in Texas is sitting there right now thinking, well, I'm not going to vote for Ted Cruz if he was OK with January 6th. Yeah. No do one, you, do you no see one who voted for Ted, no one who voted for Ted Cruz. Actually, I will uh, opposite that. Everyone who voted for Ted Cruz thinks January 6th is a travesty of American justice. That the fact that these people were arrested, that the fact that the government mm-hmm. is treating it like an insurgent attempt, that it are a coup. Everyone who I will guess, go out on a limb and guess every single person that voted for Ted Cruz disagrees with the Democrat narrative about January 6th. Do you know why people aren't going to vote for Ted Cruz regarding if, if people choose not to vote for Ted Cruz when he goes up for reelection and it has to do with January 6th, do you know why they won't vote for him? Because he caved to the mob. Yep. Because he did nothing because as soon as CNN went, all this is bad. uh, Everybody, uh, every every single one of those people that said that they were going to make sure all the I, I want to remind everyone they weren't going to overturn an election. All they were going to do, all they were going to do was say, we need to look into this because a lot of weird things happened. A lot of state constitutions got violated. There were a, there was a lot of very suspect activity. We just want transparency. We just want to conduct an audit. We are asking for 11 days to take a look, which by the way, had already happened. That happened in 2000. This is, this wasn't even unprecedented. This has happened before. All they were saying was we want to take a look. We want some transparency. We want to make sure that American voters got proper representation in this election and that there wasn't anything nefarious or strange and also address the fact that state constitutions were absolutely violated. That is all they were going to do. That's it. This wasn't overturning. This wasn't declaring Donald Trump King. None of that was true. None of that was true. Right. So how easy would it be for Ted Cruz to simply say that, to simply say, listen, This is all nonsense. All those protesters wanted was for us to do our job, which we were planning on doing, which was to demand accountability about the election discrepancies. Mm -hmm. The reason Ted Cruz can't do that was because he caved after January 6th. And and like all these other Republican Democrats, uh, Republican congressmen and senators, agreed with them and said, well, we can't have it. We can't for ask for transparency about the election now. Some guy just sat in the speaker's chair. 
Oh, but no. They, after, after January 6th, all of these re- Republicans that we elected that supposedly were supporting Donald Trump and thus his voters, all of them went, well, I know our election. I know our electoral base. Our supporters have suddenly feel like there's they have no faith in how American elections are conducted and are worried that there was massive fraud. But a guy wore a buffalo hat in the Capitol. And so I guess that we just have to let the bad guys win. The yep. people that our voters are worried just conducted a fraudulent election get to win because some guy wandered around with a podium. Like he took the podium and walked around with it. Like that's insane. That th- when people wonder, Alan, why do you think most of the Republican party are, co- are politically compromised and playing for the other team? I go, January 6th was insane. The, the, um, the voters of the Republican Party were screaming at their representatives saying, I think the election was fraudulent. And the response was, wow, we totally agree. We should protect our elections. Ah, guy walked in the Capitol. Oh, never mind. The, the bad guys get to win. That is a bizarre change of fortune. It's, a, it's an insane decision to make. If I was sitting here going, Wow, uh, if our elections are compromised by the other political party, that will destroy my party's ability to ever hold power ever again. And that is worth sticking my neck out after some dude wanders through the Capitol because that's more important than condemning a protest that was way more tame than everything my opponents bankrolled over the last summer. How do you look at the Black Lives Matter protests, burning cities, killing dozens, and causing a bunch of giant political upheavals and think, wow, that's pretty dangerous. You know what? Those people should just win. And when my supporters do anything similar, I should side with my enemies. Yeah. Why did they side with their enemies if they're not totally compromised? And Aaron, to your point, if they're simply taking such bad advice then they still don't they still do not deserve any of our support because they're so bad at picking advisors that they are political liabilities. Mm-hmm. Like these people are dangerous to the future of our country because they're so bad at being representatives of our side. They're so bad at opposing the Democrats and conducting themselves in a nature that would make them valid opposition to Democrat control of the country that they are actually a hindrance more than any of them are a help well and that's a good question hey ted cruz um after january 6th if every republican was actually had been kicked out of office and replaced with a democrat how would the country look any different (laughs) would there have been any difference if every republican had lost every election prior to January 6th and the entire Congress and Senate was Senate was stacked with Democrats. Would I have seen any difference? No. Oh, well, there you go. Why should I vote for you then? Yeah. Well, and, and it's, you know, what, what we what we constantly hear um, is from the, from the left, but, you know, semi echoed through all this, I disavow, um, you know, what we, what we constantly hear from the left is that this was a threat to democracy they were trying to overturn an election they were oh geez you know it was a coup attempt or whatever all of this all of this 
BS, right? Need, need I right. remind you that, so number one, the Democrats showed us that political violence uh, gets you what you want. We had a bunch of cities defund their police programs. Uh, we had uh, trials that were absolutely uh, poisoned juries. Uh, there were 100 uh, percent, you know, any any officer in the United States was terrified of what might happen if they ever had to go to court uh, regarding, you know, an armed individual that uh, was not white. Uh, every single police officer had to worry about whether or not they would have to spend life in prison if they did anything. Um, because, you know, an eight second cell phone video could literally put you in jail because the entire jury would get poisoned by the media. We know for a fact that they're trying to do those things. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is, is so not only was it that political violence did get people what they wanted because we watched the government cave to it all through the summer and for years now with things like Black Lives Matter, but also, um, also what they saw was the last four years, the last four years where people elected a president of the United States in 2016 and all the Democrats did the entire time was try to kick him out. Yeah. The, the people of the United States of America elected a president and all that the all the Democrats did, but which, by the way, you know, I, I don't see it costing them a lot. You know, that's the whole idea is, well, if I support this, it's going to cost. We, we could win the House and the Senate in 2022. We can't take risky positions. Uh, the left seems to be doing just fine when they literally questioned an election. They literally the Democrats were told Democrats were told in 2016 that it was not a legitimate election which I know plenty of other commentators pointed this out. Uh, there were violent mobs in the streets in 2017 on January. What was it? January 21st or 20th during yeah. the inauguration. Yeah. They were setting things on fire. They were smashing windows. There was violence. Uh, Madonna literally said she wanted to blow up the white house on inauguration day of Donald Trump. There were violent mobs yep. then. There had been violent mobs ever since. There was the pussy hat march. There was all of this, all of this activity. And what were they being told for four years? Oh, Russia stole the election. In fact, an economist YouGov poll that was recently conducted, recently, like within within the last couple of months, 67% of Democrats believe that Russia... Changed the results of the 2016 election. 67% of Democrat Democrats believe it's definitely true or probably true that Russia tampered with vote tallies to get Donald Trump elected. 67% of Democrats believe the 2016 election was stolen. But... It's a threat to democracy for Republicans to think that Democrats, yes. which, by the way, as I've as I've stated before, and I don't want to beat the dead horse, listen to all of the rhetoric from the left. 
about Donald Trump, about how he's a huge threat. He's the next Hitler. Oh, like our country is never going to be the same. We we are in in the darkest times. Uh, everything everything about our democracy and our liberty is at stake. These people would literally, if they believed all the bullshit that they have said for five years about Donald Trump, they would actually be. Um, uh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. It would be malpractice for these people to not steal an election. If what's interesting be- is I actually kind of agree with them. What do you mean? I mean, I think these are the darkest times of our nation, and every and our democracy is under threat. Our nation, our very way of life, is under threat. Honestly, we should be stealing elections simply out of self-preservation at this point. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of dead serious. Like, it clearly does not benefit us to play by the rules. We are under threat by people that feel no compunction to play by the rules. And if we want to not be annihilated, we probably should stop playing by the rules and start playing to win. Well, I mean, a bunch of people showed up at the Capitol on January 6th because the system didn't work. Yeah, they they pleaded. They pleaded with secretaries of state who said, nope, I'm not. Nope, we're not going to do an audit. They pleaded with courts who said, nope, we're not going to look into it. Uh, they pleaded with uh, elected representatives who said, nope, I'm not. Nope. Yeah. Everybody said no. So what do you do? What, what what do you what do you do? Um, What do you do when the Democrats and the media scare all of your elected representatives and your judicial system into even looking? I mean, there are. Yeah, that's exactly the point. We're running out of ways to solve this within the system. And so the only options we're we're rapidly being left with is outside of the system, which is essentially illegal activity, which we can't advocate for. But we're starting to get to the point where illegal activity is kind of the only hope left because all of the normal legal avenues of redressing grievances are rapidly are being intentionally degraded to prevent any course correction of the direction of our country. Yeah, I just I just want to remind everyone and you know and primarily these idiots in DC um that because of your dumbass acceptance of this rhetoric that protesting is terrorism if it's done by the right wing, that's exactly how you got the Department of Justice and the FBI uh investigating parents who were showing up at school board meetings. You allowed that to happen because you accepted the left's argument. You yeah. did that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's it's a worrying state of affairs <laughs> to say the least. Now, with that being said, there there is some some interesting stuff that that will uh will get into um, well, actually, we'll we'll keep we'll keep on this subject a little bit. You found a fascinating article, um, and then we'll we'll get into the mass formation psychosis, uh, uh, yeah. some of that hilarity. You found an article where during the 2020 uh, protests and uh, uh, mob violence that was going on throughout the United States and the formation of the Chaz, for those of you who. Um, 
don't don't recall that was an area in Seattle that was taken over by Antifa activists and what was it the the was it the mayor that called it a summer of love yeah something um, something like that people were murdered uh women were raped people were assaulted uh businesses were sh- uh shaken down for protection money um there was a bunch of crime that occurred within this occupied area but there's a news story that came out and there's an investigation going on because Seattle police faked radio chatter, uh, making it seem like the Proud Boys were involved. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that was real. So for some reason, the Seattle police decided that they were going to fake radio transmissions because they knew that people were listening. You know, police scanners are a normal thing. They knew Antifa was listening. They, they claim they claim that they were faking the the presence of the Proud Boys to keep Antifa out of areas, but that doesn't that doesn't um, fit reality. Because when have you ever seen Antifa refuse to start violence against uh, right wing protesters ever? Right. So essentially, the story is that during the riots in 2020 that were burning cop cars in downtown Seattle with this, and this all culminates in the formation of the Chaz, the autonomous district where the police shuttered an entire police station and evacuated an area quote, leaving it to the mob. When the reality is the city set up all these barricades, they delivered porta potties. The whole thing was a curated decision by the city to establish an area that would allow the rioters to claim they had a victory while keeping them contained. It was all, none of it was above board. The whole thing was set up by the city as a pressure release valve to allow these pro to protesters to feel they got a win while also keeping them contained in a certain area of the city. Mm-hmm. As part of this, as part of the formation of the Chaz, a bunch of Seattle police at the low, at seemingly the lower level started creating fake radio traffic saying we have groups of armed proud boys there's armed right wingers encroaching on this city from here and here it is unclear exactly how they used this information their claim is that they said this because they knew antifa groups were listening to the police chatter and therefore antifa would avoid certain areas and this would help corral them into various areas essentially so you could do it was essentially a misdirection campaign so the seattle police could do more with fewer officers Mm -hmm. we can concentrate all our officers in a couple areas and we don't need to be everywhere at once because we don't have enough people that was what they claimed the actual realities on the ground seem a little harder to divine because if you told a bunch of antifa guys that there's armed right wingers in one place their entire goal was to cause problems mm-hmm. and so you would think that would actually make the situation much much worse my theory is that they were either using it as a deniable means to increase the police presence in certain areas such as wow, guys, we definitely need to create this Chaz situation and then surround it with police officers for the safety of all of the left-wing rioters because there's these spooky armed right-wingers out there. I think it could have been a way that the city could quietly manufacture justification for setting up the Chaz. 
because, oh, there's these armed right-wingers and we're going to have blood in the streets. Listen to all this terrifying radio chatter. We definitely should set up the this entire, like, couple-block radius that the road rioters can can peacefully riot in. I think that was actually the real goal, was they it was essentially from the city down, like an initiative probably endorsed by the city, to allow them the basically political top cover to establish the Chaz and quarantine all the rioters within it in the name of public safety. Mm-hmm. Also, okay, additionally, there's another wrinkle in this. The people creating form that formed the Chaz were the unions. They were the C- the Seattle unions, uh, like the I think the Pipe Fitters Union and another one were heavily involved in the creation of the Chaz. That that no one has reported, but I went to the Chaz and I saw a heck the people that were acting essentially as security that were setting up sound stages that were setting up tents that were essentially running, quietly running the logistics of building the Chaz. Because it wasn't just activists. Like I said, they had an entire soundstage built. They had professional speaker setups. They had lighting. They had professional lighting of their stage. They had all of this set up. And all the people doing that, I noticed, were union guys. They were wearing union hoodies. They were the Seattle unions. Uh, it's like c- certain were unions were were the ones that supported the building of the Chaz. Heck, there was a guy giving a speech about how unions need the unions need to organize the workers, and then uh, like hilariously shoehorning race relations into it. It's like we need to f- organize the the workers. We need to fight back against these you know fat cat millionaires that are running things. And uh, race relations are super important too. And b- black people should be part of this. Yep, yep, absolutely. But you know the workers need to unite, and we all need to get together. And black people sh- could be part of it. That'd be awesome. Yeah, do that. <laughs> So, also, the unions are heavily integrated or have integration with the city of Seattle. They're mm-hmm. union reps that, prob- that, are, that talk to the mayor. They have an in with the city. It would not surprise me if all of these people were in on it. If the unions essentially were saying unions were collaborating with the city of Seattle which were, and the police department to manufacture a way to get all the rioters in one place and using using the boogeyman of ooh right wingers scary scary armed right wingers are flooding the town oh geez because that's what the unions wanted the unions wanted the chaz because then they could set this up and use it as a giant recruiting event which they did the police wanted the chaz because then they could have all the rioters in one place and they could focus all police resources on containing that the city wanted the chaz because then there's not riots in the street everywhere nothing in the city except for this one area gets disrupted the rioters wanted the chaz because they wanted to claim a victory everybody involved in this wanted the chaz to become a real thing and so all of them basically conspired together to create it and this is this whole idea that's this uh what's coming out about the seattle police officers faking the groups of armed right-wingers is part of this essentially conspiracy to create the Chaz as an astroturf campaign, essentially to agitate for left-wing politics. Now, 
I have a more cynical thought on it. Um, Go on. Not necessarily competing, but just a little cynical of it, which was that they staged this false radio chatter um, Mm -hmm. in case massive violence broke out. Seattle could claim that it was, oh, no, that that had to have been those violent right wingers. Uh, No, see, there's police reporting here. Uh, that there were a bunch of Proud Boys. They must have been the ones that burned that building down. They must have been the ones that killed that family. They must have been the ones oh, that sure. shot up that place. Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, it also gives, I mean, this this is very helpful in a lot of ways. With the unions, with the city, with the police, if anything horrible happened, they would have an out to uh, misdirect attention away from themselves. If a police officer, say, shoots a guy, they can claim, well, there were armed right-wingers around, our officers were all on edge because they were wanting to protect people so super-duper bad from these evil right-wingers. It, mm-hmm. It's very, very convenient to have this boogeyman of armed right-wingers waiting in the wings to swoop in and be your modus, to be your justification for things. It also can't, has to be remembered that the media covered this stuff. And what did the media, what was they hungrier for more than anything else? armed, angry, right-wing reactionaries that they could claim were the real terrorists. And and because then Antifa gets a pass. Antifa only wants to stop the evil fascists. And if they can say, the police are reporting that there's evil right-wingers out there, you know, we can now have top cover to write all of these articles excusing the actions of Antifa. Oh, like these people got murdered in the Chaz. Well, that's because they needed that security. They needed that private security there because they were armed right-wingers. I have heard that many times, that the violence that happened within the Chaz was caused by armed right-wingers. People believed that, and it was because the police were reporting there were armed right-wingers there. So the violence, when the criminals that were given illegally given guns in the Chaz killed people, everyone had a top cover saying that must've just been the armed right wingers that were causing this. No, nobody look any further. Don't look at the band behind the curtain. Go about your business. And this, this is what's exceedingly interesting is so this, this was from um, just a few days ago because that was January 6th. Right. So there was Mm -hmm. a, uh, there, there was a protest um, in Florida, in Pinellas County, Florida, uh, on January 6th, like this, this year, this recent January 6th, um, there was a rally, uh, by the right wing outside of a, a Pinellas County courthouse in Florida in support of the people, you know, I, I, I don't know everything behind it, but I'm assuming that this was one of those like free the detained people, um, you know, the political prisoners that have been held in jail for uh, like a year now with no charges okay. um, by, you know, by D.C. authorities. So that that was that was the protest that was occurring. These people uh, demanding the um, protesters for January 6th be freed. Um, here's something that's not hitting the mainstream media. Uh, this comes from the post millennial. Uh, a man in full black block. Behaving, which is all the all black, masked, whatever. It's the Antifa clothing. A man in full black block behaving suspiciously near a right-wing rally outside Pinellas County Courthouse in Florida on January 6th was apprehended by deputies after he tried fleeing on foot. 
Garrett James Smith, 22, was arrested and found carrying an active pipe bomb, Antifa propaganda, and a written document on what to bring for his direct action. He had recently returned from Portland, Oregon. Quote, he was running fast. He was running away from something, Pinellas County Sheriff Bob uh, Gualtieri uh, said at his press conference on Friday. Bomb squad investigators from the FBI, Hillsborough County Sheriff's Department, and the Tampa Police Department responded to the scene and determined the device was a homemade M-type destructive device, according to the affidavit. Smith was purportedly targeting dozens of the attendees of a rally protesting the treatment of January 6th suspects on the one-year anniversary of the U.S. Capitol riot. An executed search warrant of Smith's residence he shares with his parents in Oldsmar, Florida, revealed more explosives, tape, and nails for use in grenades. Bomb squad investigators from Hillsborough County Sheriff's, Sheriff's Office and the Tampa police responded to the home and determined that de- the devices were homemade IEDs, meaning improvised explosive devices. Oh, shit. A search of Smith's home he shares with his parents in Oldsmar, Florida, revealed more explosives, tape, nails. Oh, sorry. that's They repeated it. I'm sorry. Um, a, oh, sorry for using grenades. Smith's direct action checklist included a drawing of an umbrella, a symbol adopted by Antifa militants for their use of black umbrellas to shield one, one another from cameras while they commit acts of violence or vandalism. The helmet found in his backpack during his arrest had the Antifa iron front symbol painted on it. This guy has a it's it's a piece of notebook paper that has a whole bunch of notes on it that are very obviously notes from some sort of seminar. Yeah. And it is like clothing. Yeah. You know, wear all of this, armor, black helmet, uh bring yeah. a shield, wear a vest, uh different tips, gear. Yeah, Antifa is an organized paramilitary group that is funded by large moneyed interests. Mm-hmm. They're an anarcho-tyranny essentially set up where they are a group of paramilitaries funded by large moneyed interests to attack and commit violence against North American citizen, citizens as an arm of these interests in an extra legal sense and they have top cover by the government which essentially means because the government in refuses to clamp down on the activities of antifa the activities of antifa against normal citizens are um sponsored by the government because of their refusal to act against them which you can which means that antifa violence against normal citizens is government sponsored violence now well it and remember, remember, so like the vice president of the United States helped set up a bail fund for people like this. This guy yeah. will be bailed out. He will be bailed out because left wing interests have a bail fund to pay yeah, this guy's because bail. Because left wing violence is government sponsored violence. Mm-hmm. And and also to that point, uh, his bail. So just so you're aware, he's being charged with three counts of making, possessing, or discharging a destructive advice, uh, device, you know, making bombs, making bombs, pipe bombs. He had pipe bombs. Just so you're yeah. aware, 
This guy was arrested and had a pipe bomb. Okay. I just want you to know that his bail is set at $300,000, which by the way, means he can be bailed. Every unarmed protester at January 6th was not given the ability to be bailed. They were denied release. Yep. If you're an unarmed person on the right who wanders through the Capitol, you've been in prison for a year with no charges. But this guy brings a pipe bomb to a courthouse to, you know, with, with the intent of exploding and killing uh, right-wing protesters, $300,000 bail. Yeah. And and you're but not you're Antifa not getting... violence. Mm-hmm. Antifa violence is government supported violence against you. Yeah, I just yeah, they, I I don't know how else you could possibly see it. There there is no other way to see it because that's yeah. the truth. <laughs> it is government sponsored violence against American citizens, especially essentially American citizens that are critical of the regime are going to be subject to Antifa violence, which is anarcho-tyranny violence supported by the federal government. It's a way they can essentially get around the Constitution to attack their political enemies and violate their civil rights without having to do so through overt government means. And the way that they grant Antifa a pass on all its activities essentially is the is the hack of the American system that they're operating on. Mm-hmm. That's how they are allowed. That's how they can do this is they just selectively enforce things. How much do you want to bet that uh, places like the Southern Poverty Law Center and the Anti-Defamation League are going to list this as right wing terrorism because it's, quote, anti-government? Because apparently mm-hmm. the right wing is anti-government, which I guess suggests that the left wing is just bootlickers of the government. Yeah, like I, I guarantee you. That the Anti-Defamation League will have this listed as a right-wing terror attack or attempted attack because it's, quote, anti-government. That is literally one of their uh, methods of uh, listing something as right-wing terror is if it's anti-government, which I just find yeah hilarious. All right. Um, so just just so you guys are aware, I'm, I'm happy to have shared that news story with you because you will not hear about it from any mainstream media source because, well, that would be super inconvenient that during January 6th, when they were talking about all this awful political terrorism, a freaking anti-fug dude was going to like explode a bomb outside a courthouse to kill right-wingers. I kind of wish he did. I mean... I I understand what you mean by that because how would they have handled it? But I yeah I I feel uh, you know what would be the sorry. fact that this guy got arrested means that something so overt that would allow us to cap to demand political ramifications for the activities of Antifa wasn't allowed to happen, and unfortunately what? we are going to need Antifa to kill a whole bunch of people in order to. Give us the reasoning to make people like Ted Cruz demand that this situation be dealt with. You know, what's amazing is if if this guy were successful in any sort of attempt, immediately everybody on the left would claim that he was a fed. Yeah, they would just they would just immediately claim he was a fed. 
and they would add, like unironically they would claim that he was a fed just like they did just like they did during Minneapolis when Minneapolis was on fire they were like oh no it's the police the police are doing it the police are dressing up like antifa and setting fires they would just they would 100% say oh he was it, it, he was a fed the feds are doing this and like unironically would not see how hilarious that is given that they acted like there's no way that January 6th could have been a fed op even though there are um absolutely affidavits that show that the federal government helped plan January 6th just like they helped plan just like they planned the kid supposed t- kidnapping of governor whitmer and all that but yeah um no that's that's just just fascinating now uh real quick before we get on to our uh mass formation psychosis um I, I will share a little bit of a personal story uh, with you all. Uh, I, I'm a little behind on the news. Uh, Alan's done his best to catch me up. But uh, for four and a half days this week, we had no power and no heat. And, uh, yeah. it, it, and, and well, beyond that, you had neighbors that were dying. Yeah, we did. We we did lose some neighbors. Um, un- unfortunately, we, we had a very... We had a very severe uh, snowstorm come in uh, Monday or well Sunday night, uh, and and Monday morning the power was out, the cell phones were down, um, trees had fallen over, power lines had fallen over. Uh, we they couldn't get plows out. They they couldn't. Um, unfortunately, we we had an elderly gentleman in our neighborhood that um had a heart attack while shoveling his driveway and the first responders were unable to get to him in time um we had other uh other people in our community uh that unfortunately um were improperly heating their homes and died of carbon monoxide poisoning because of that um it it was um it was rough in the idea. I mean, I grew up in Michigan, so the cold uh, is easy to snap back to. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, luckily I do a lot of camping. I do a lot of outdoor stuff. Uh, luckily, I have good friends who who send me an army whoopee for Christmas. Um, <laughs> so uh, we were able to, you know, we were able to heat with a with a wood burning um, with a wood fireplace uh, and, and propane heaters. Um, and cook with our camp stoves. Uh, so we were doing well and we were helping support our neighbors. Um, our, our community came together uh, because the government disappeared. Uh, once I-95, the corridor that goes up to Washington, D.C., was cleared, um, everybody in Richmond stopped giving a shit. Um, when the only time that the media was paying attention to this snowstorm was when they thought that Glenn Youngkin was already the governor. So when they thought that it was a Republican governor, uh, everybody was very upset about how badly this was handled. But then when they realized that Glenn Youngkin hasn't been sworn in as governor yet, they stopped caring because it's still a Democrat in office. Hmm. Of course they did. Now, um, you know, whatever. It's fine. It's not like the governor. Well, okay. Things could have been taken care of if the governor would have declared a state of emergency, uh, but we're a Republican county, so why does he give a shit? Uh, and he didn't. Uh, he didn't declare a state of emergency until Wednesday, um, and that was what finally got 
other states be able to respond and bring power companies out and everything. Um, we're all fine. Uh, we lost all of our food. Uh, it was cold, but we we survived. It was no big deal for us, but it was a big deal for a lot of people. There are a lot of people who are un, who were unprepared. Um, with that, you know, some of the things that I, I do like to share is, uh, you know, I, I like the idea of individualism. I, I think it is a tenet of of being um, independent. I think it's a tenet of liberty is your ability to be an individual and, and not not wait for the government. Um, so I, I do want to dispense a little bit of advice. Um, this is difficult and there is, we talked about it when we had Joe Dolio on our program who has written several very great books, um, called uh, tactical wisdom, uh, which I, I highly recommend, you know, anybody who likes to read about that kind of stuff, um, you know, go, go pick up those books. If somebody could drop the uh, link in the chat, please. Um, you know, pick up his books. They're very good for getting prepared for things like this. But I, I do want to dispense a little bit is become a prepper. Not a single one of my neighbors is ever going to make fun of me for being a prepper again. Um, just as little as you can do, always figure out a heat source. Uh, if the utilities go down, always have a back stock of dry goods and know how you will boil water. That is, uh, yeah, that is a very big thing. Uh, know how you can boil a large amount of water. Uh, five, uh, I would, I would say, uh, um, a few gallons of water at a time. Have something that can boil water using uh, something like propane fuel, uh, because boiled water is what makes soup. Boiled water is what makes noodles. <laughs> if you can yeah. boil water, you can heat almost anything. Um, but just. Always, always have spare blankets, always have dry stock food, beans, noodles, um, and morale. Have morale food. I cannot stress that enough. Morale is, it is important in, in keeping people together. So, um, have, uh, ha have things on, on the backup, like, you know, make s'mores in your fireplace if everything's off, you know? Yeah. Um, but also think about how you can help your community. I, I don't have a ton of really cool things. Um, but I got my little lawn, my little riding lawnmower out and I was dragging trees off houses and I'm not going to lie. I felt awesome because <laughs> I'm with this hilarious little riding lawnmower and using like five, five fifty cord and just dragging limbs off the sides of people's houses with this like <laughs> dinky little lawnmower, <laughs> but we got it done, you know? And, um, it is something yeah. to do. It, 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 it makes you feel good. You, uh, you stop thinking about how cold it is. It, you make it fun. And, and that's the other, the other advice that I would give, um, for people who are ever in a bad situation, take take a situation like that and make it an adventure, and it and it turns it around. Um, it is uh, Alan likes to refer to it as my week long camping trip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, get to get to live your Amish, your your frozen Siberian lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, it, it was interesting. So um, there were some people, you know, who sent messages. They noticed that I had kind of gone dark on communications, um, you know, reached out, wanted to make sure I was OK. Uh, we couldn't respond at the time. I, I do. I do think people uh, for for their concern, their messages of support. Um, Alan's hilarious text messages asking if we had resorted to cannibalism. <laughs> so. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I do think that is one thing is, um, know how you're going to boil water, know how you're going to have water, uh, always have an alternate heat source. Even if you have, even if you have natural gas, natural gas can go out always. Like if you have a propane grill, that means you have a propane tank, uh, keep it full and, um, get an alternate heat source. There are actually, uh, this is not, I, I'm not sponsoring something. But there, uh, there is a little propane heater called a Mister Buddy, and every prepper I know, every homesteader I know owns one of these things. They have different sizes. Uh, you can get a transfer hose to hook it up to a twenty-gallon propane tank. That will heat a room. Hang up tarps. Hang up blankets on the windows. Crowd into a room. Turn on one of those little guys on low, and you you can heat you can heat a little room and keep yourselves comfortable. So that's pretty good advice. Yeah. I, I just, I wanted to share that wisdom. Um, it, it was interesting to be fair. Um, it was a good experience. You know, it, it was, it was bad for a lot of people. We, we had a, um, we did lose some people. Uh, one of the most horrifying things I saw was there was an elderly woman who had nothing. She had no way to heat her home. She had no food. And uh, luckily she put a sign out. Uh, she had a little chalkboard and out in her front yard, written on the chalkboard, was help. And uh, wow. that's, you know, um, be the person who can be that help. That's yeah. what, one of the parts of being an individual is you also become a leader in your community. All of the rugged individuals in my town, um, we all became the help. And that's so, pretty neat. Yeah. No, really cool. Um, very thankful that I have a lot of really great people that have regularly, we've talked about survival stuff. Alan and I constantly talk about stuff and, and maybe that's something that, that we should focus on a little bit more heading into the new year. Um, but you know, we did all right. Everything's, everything's good. Um, in, in our household, everything's back up and, and we're fine. Uh, it was a long four and a half days, but to be completely honest, um, it was a great lesson and, and I'm, I'm happy I got to learn it. I'm glad that I got to stress test uh, our resources and see where there were gaps. That's, it's always a good teachable moment. Um, but it was uh, it was an interesting time. So that's the, I did want to share that because I thought it was important. Um, anyway, let's get back to the fun stuff that people care about. Right, Alan? Um, yeah. <laughs> so um, this is... Uh, I, I, I want I want to play a news clip that comes from Texas because there's all of this discussion because of Joe Rogan and uh, he had that doctor on. Um, I'm sorry, remind me his name if you can. Uh, Doctor Robert Malone. Robert Malone. Doctor Robert Malone talked about mass formation psychosis, which is you know, let's be honest, we all know what we're talking. I don't have to define that. Everybody goes, yeah, COVID for the last two years. Um, yes, exactly that. Um, <laughs> So 
Uh, mass formation psychosis, the idea that people are basically going crazy. Or actually, I'm sorry, Alan. You listened to it more than I did. Uh, can you quickly define what he means when he says mass formation psychosis? Well, you pretty much have the nail on the head. It means basically everybody's just going nuts. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it, similar, similar to cases, basically, you can also redefine it as just a case of mass hysteria. Mm-hmm. Isn't that like the and, entire subject of like Lord of the Flies? It's just this weird mob. Yeah, hysteria? actually, that's, that's a good, uh, that's a really good analogy. I hadn't heard that one before. That's probably the best, best scenario people would use is everybody losing their minds all at once. I slightly disagree that it's some sort of psychosis because it is manufactured. All of these, the mass hysteria surrounding COVID is not simply a natural outgrowth of there's this virus and no, no, it's, it has been actively encouraged with the goal of developing this mass hysteria that. That, I think, maybe sets me apart from this Dr. Robert Malone, is he seems to discuss it as there's this mass psychosis because all these people are doing these things, and it results, according to sort of the sum of the parts of COVID, results in this case of mass hysteria. I think it is more the mass hysteria is the point. The point of Mm -hmm. COVID, at least in part, I think, is to create a scenario of mass hysteria because it is so unbelievably politically convenient and lucrative for a lot of the players involved who seem like they are only selectively putting out information that will cause these rifts to deepen and cause the hysteria around COVID to become more pronounced. Right. Now, the fact-checkers at Reuters have ruled the mass uh, formation psychosis as false. They have ruled this as false, and that is the reasoning that Twitter is using for blocking any of the videos and anything else of Dr. Robert Malone speaking of this. But I need to remind you that the CEO of Reuters sits on the board of Pfizer. Yeah. so That's a very good point that no one should forget. mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're going to be honest, if we want to be honest about the media, if we want to be honest about facts, if facts are important, then everything having to do with COVID uh, that is fact-checked by Reuters, who is the official fact-checker of Twitter, yeah, should come with an asterisk that the CEO of the fact-checker sits on the board of a pharmaceutical company that profits from uh, COVID hysteria and uh, booster shots and vaccinations and then further booster shots. It it should be noted um, that, by the way, if he sits on the board, for those of you who don't know, people who sit on the board of a company have what's called fiduciary responsibility. For those of you who don't know what that is, um, when you're sitting on the board of a company, you have what's called a fiduciary responsibility um, for the shareholders. It is your fiduciary responsibility as a member of the board to make the share prices profitable, to make the company profitable. Everything that you do as a member of that board uh, comes with the fiduciary responsibility of making the company profitable. 
And if it's a publicly traded company, as these pharmaceuticals are, um, it is supposed to be profitable for the shareholders. So an increase in profits, therefore an increase in stock prices. So a gentleman who has a fiduciary responsibility to Pfizer's profit margin is also the CEO of the company that's the primary fact checker for social media and several other um, news sites. So the gentleman has a fiduciary responsibility to a pharmaceutical company to scare people and make money off of things like, oh, I don't know, a blank check from the federal government uh, for vaccines and booster shots now. I think that every, if we wanted to be honest, every single fact check by Reuters needs to come with an asterisk when it has to do with coronavirus that says, by the way, our CEO is a board member of Pfizer Pharmaceuticals. Yep. So, but, so according to Reuters, there is no such thing as mass formation psychosis. I'm going to uh, rebut that statement with this news story out of Texas uh, regarding a Texas teacher. Uh, Here's that story. A classroom feels to me like it should be an extension of my home. That's Sarah Bean, Cypher ISD, confirming the 41-year-old has been a Cypress Falls High School English teacher since 2011. The educator nowhere to be found earlier today. We were greeted at the front door by an unidentified woman. The conversation ending just after a few seconds. Yeah, she's not home right now. Okay. I don't know how I can get a hold of her. No, I do not. I'm sorry. Thank you. Cypher ISD police showed up just a few moments later. KPRC, the only TV station there, as they tried to make an arrest. They, too, left empty-handed, though. Court records say the 41... Oh, sorry about that, everybody. For some reason, the audio cut off. Hang on. Up just a few moments later, KPRC, the only TV station there, as they tried to make an arrest. They, too, left empty-handed, though. Court records say the 41-year-old pulled into the Pridgen Stadium drive through testing site on Monday. They go on to say a witness told police she was gathering information from drivers in line waiting to be tested when she came in contact with Beam, who, quote, confirmed that her son, who had tested positive for COVID, was in the trunk of her car. According to authorities, Beam told the witness the 13-year-old was put there to prevent her from being exposed to COVID while driving. Court records say the witness requested to see the teen. Beam unlatched the trunk, and the child was found lying down. Moments later, that witness called police. In a statement, Cypher ISD said, quote, Law enforcement conducted a full investigation resulting in a warrant for her arrest. Thankfully, the child was not harmed, In quote. And the district added that Beam had been placed on administrative leave. Again, she has been in charge with endangering a child, but she is, at last check, still not in custody. We'll keep you posted. Live in the city of Jersey Village, Bill Barajas, KPRC, 2 News. A classroom. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, So a teacher uh, put their own child in the trunk of the car (laughs) 
because they had tested positive for COVID. And oh, geez, like how? Oh, okay. So you want to tell me that mass formation psychosis doesn't exist, but you have people like that who are putting their children in the trunk of a car because they're so afraid of uh, what exactly? Because like, once again, I go back to this standard thing. I don't know a single person who's been hospitalized, let alone have, has died of coronavirus. Yep. Most people don't. I bet the, I bet the lady that stuffed her kid in the trunk of a car also has not known anyone that has died or been seriously hospitalized with COVID. And well, I mean, statistically, that is because what I, I thought we had looked up a statistic recently. Um, I, I I mean, I don't know where it's at now because Omicron, which I'm pretty. All right, I'm just going to say it. I'm pretty sure it's the flu, and they're just calling it Omicron now. Um, but it was something wild. Like, you wouldn't realize it, but uh, only, like, 15% of the U.S. population yeah. has actually had COVID. Which is wild. Maybe it's more now. <sighs> but, but on top of that, like... Maybe. This doesn't come from reality. This does not, nothing, nothing this woman is doing comes from reality. There's literally, it's been, by the way, it's been two years. It has been two years of this. Two years. Yeah. And so it's been two years of this and you're still freaking out. Like that doesn't make that. It just doesn't. It doesn't. It, it, It. that is that's psychosis. Yeah. That that is basically the that that's, is yeah, the definition of psychosis. That is madness. Yeah. Um, your own yeah. kid you shove in a trunk because you're afraid of uh the sniffles. Um, and by the what way, what I have said, mm-hmm. yeah, I was gonna say what I have said constantly about this whole quote pandemic, from everything with masks to social distancing to the vaccine etc to all these measures the government takes to lockdowns none of them make logical sense none of them make truly logical sense if we were if if what i was being told was correct the masks don't make sense the distancing doesn't make sense none of it is being none of it is being done so dedicated that it would actually work and it is so incredibly obvious to me that all of this is nonsense. But then when it's so not obvious to other people, I get really worried. This lady's kid, quote, test positive. You have to share the house with the kid. If the kid is so insanely virulent that you need to put him in the trunk of the car to protect yourself, then how do you have the kid in your house? How does any of this make sense? How how do normal people not have this trigger the thing in their brain saying, yeah, this probably isn't a big deal. Yeah, this I probably don't need to put my kid in the trunk of the car. I share the same house with this kid. I we live in this we breathe the same air. We're within 10 feet of one another. Like I'm not in a hazmat suit. I'm not dying. Okay, yeah, I probably don't need to put him in the trunk of the car. This lady still did that though. She's was she had all of the lived experience information of being around her child at home 
and then her brain just sort short circuited apparently, and she's like, "Well, I got to put him in the trunk of the car because I, I, you know, infectious disease." It it reminds me of people that are just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks, being completely uninformed but being scared. I I don't understand how people's conscious brains have been short circuited by all of this that they can't see it. That it's madness. Like when we say mass formation or psychosis, it's, it is a plague of madness upon the rest of us. How? Like the people that are dedicated to masks. You go, it's a piece of cloth. It is a, it, if it's so airborne that, this pe- that we need, all need to wear masks, then we should shut everything else down. There's no way this works. The, even the N95s. I've worn one of the N95 masks, and when I breathe in it, you know what happens? All of my breath travels around the outside of the mask because I can't breathe through the thing. The easiest way for for a gas to move out of a mask is to go around the gaps in the mask. We're not wearing sealed gas masks. We're not wearing sealed hazmat suits. And the fact that that is not so cognitively obvious to everyone to, who should then temper their expectations and go, you know, I mean, it is kind of old. Just... Drives me crazy because I cannot understand their logic. I look at them and go, either you're such a low IQ that you don't have the pattern recognition software in your brain to recognize what's happening here, or you're actually crazy. Either way, you're dangerous to me, and I don't want you around me, let alone making decisions about my life. The lady that stuck her kid in a car is a teacher. Mm -hmm. A teacher. How can you trust her to be responsible for other children i i don't i don't know where this goes but it is insanity and the fact that other people seem incapable of making the connections about this is very very worrying i have a friend whose wife they just had a kid congratulations to them but when i was home for christmas she said she said i don't i i can't i can't have him coming over and seeing our new baby and congratulating us because he's unvaccinated and my buddy, to his credit, like pressed her and said, but you take our kid to the store and you don't know who is vaccinated there. You're going, you're living your life, but it's somehow your brain is getting short-circuited by weird little data points. Like, oh, unvaccinated. Oh, my God, my baby's going to die. And you're like, but you take your kid to the store. And you don't have your kid wrapped in some, in a giant plastic bag with a special rebreather filter, like filling it like some sort of iron lung. How is it not obvious to you? I just it's mind blowing and it is very, very worrying. Well, and let's let's be uh, let's be honest here um, for for one thing. Um, We all know. We all know who are we we all know what news sources that woman um, reads and watches. Maybe. Oh no! I mean, not her maybe. wife's a police officer. They're a pretty conservative family. Yet she's been no, no, afflicted no, 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 by no, no. the brain. No, no. The, the the teacher who shoved her kid in the trunk. Oh. Yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. The teacher who shoved her kid in the trunk. We know where she gets her information. Now yeah. that doesn't mean that it doesn't uh, have have those other effects, right? Like what you're saying here yeah. is, you know. Um, 
Because because what it comes down to is people getting nervous. People, well, I mean, I mean, what if I'm wrong? You know, that's that's the concern. It's it's it, that is the unfortunate schluff off or whatever of uh, the the um, reverberations of it is now you have people that have to worry about like, well, what if I'm wrong? And it's like, yeah, but everything you see tells you that this is bullshit. It's like, well, but what if I'm wrong? Like, and now, yeah, do they not? Do people just not trust themselves? It's like I look at this and go, "Yeah, well, the masks don't obviously don't work. That doesn't make any sense." And we're ta- social distancing, like, ooh, the virus can't. The virus. How do people walk into a restaurant and go, "Well, I gotta wear the mask because the virus is is five feet off the floor." But as soon as I sit down, like this guy two feet away from me, he can take his mask off because the virus isn't down there. Right, and that doesn't short circuit the brain and make them go. Wait a minute. Why are we, why are any of us doing any of this? This doesn't make sense. Yeah, this is all a placebo to keep the masses from revolting against uh, the government taking obscene amounts of control using um, hysteria over a cold. Yeah, it, it, like that's the ex- that is the explanation because nothing else makes sense. Oh, the masking stuff was absolutely a placebo. Uh, we called it when it first started. Totally. We were like, this isn't going to work. This doesn't make any goddamn sense yeah, at all. Say- the masking, same with the social distancing, like, oh, gosh, if I'm three feet away, we're all going to die. If I'm six feet away, everything's fine. I, I think maybe people believed that and they had nothing else. They Maybe they were just the the idea that they were being lied to on this massive scale was too horrifying. And so they just us, they just went, no, no, it, it all must be true. The cognitive dissonance must be because I'm not a scientist and I, I don't know and it, it's, it can't be that I'm being subjected to the world's largest psyop in human history designed by evil people to try and shackle my nation into slavery. That's too scary. So it's got to just be that I'm wrong and the mass work. Right now, interestingly, um, we've seen, as we uh, noted last week, uh, there have been several admissions coming from the government, uh, you know, because when we talk about things being a psyop, um, there also seems to be this massive turn where it appears the government's now trying to distance itself from coronavirus and get to the point where they're going to suddenly be like, oh, it's not a problem anymore. But also none of this was our fault. We saw this with um, Joe Biden suddenly giving credit to Donald Trump regarding uh, vaccines which uh, immediately and hilariously resulted in several uh, people on the right going, oh God, there must be far worse side effects from this than we are, than even we know about uh, because they, the left would never credit Trump with something unless the entire point was to then pin uh, everything on him, which we talked about last week. But then also the CDC said, Oh, yeah, the two-week quarantine, JK, it just needs to be five days. They also said, oh, yeah, those cloth masks, they don't work. You know, everything that the right wing has been saying for two years now and getting blocked and getting uh, accused of disinformation and getting told that we were stupid and we need to listen to the experts. Well, the experts are all suddenly taking the positions that we've had all along. Interestingly enough, this morning on Fox News Sunday with Brett Baer, there was a fascinating question asked to the CDC director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, uh, by Brett Baer. Let's listen to uh, let's listen to the question and answer. 
Do you know how many of the 836,000 deaths in the U.S. linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID, but they had other comorbidities? Do you have that breakdown? Um, yes, of course. With Omicron, we're following that very carefully. Our death registry, of course, um, takes a few weeks to and is, uh, takes a few weeks to collect. Um, and of course, Omicron has just been with us for a few weeks, but those data will be forthcoming. Do you know how many of the? Uh, that's uh, what we like to call in the business a non-answer. Uh, do you have really? Do you have the information of the? How many of the 836,000 deaths in the United States linked to COVID are from COVID or how many are with COVID was the, the basic question that was being asked there. And her response was, oh, the, 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 the Omicron and our death registry takes a little bit of time, uh, you know, to, uh, with the Omicron. And, uh, but, but that data is forthcoming, which is a nice way of saying that uh, they don't track that. We've We've talked about this for a couple of years now. That we told you that the CDC was not tracking, was not making a distinction, and we proved it, by the way, that the CDC was never making a distinction of people who died from COVID and with COVID. And the way that we proved that was just several very quick searches of people who were claimed and categorized as coronavirus deaths. There were several families that had come forward like a year and a half ago that were saying, um, my my son was killed in a car accident and is listed as a coronavirus death. Uh, this person committed suicide. This person died of a drug overdose. This person had a heart attack, all listed as coronavirus deaths. Now, either they didn't have coronavirus at all and they just really wanted to get that death toll up, or they would just test people and if they saw COVID, it was a coronavirus death. The point is, is that... Yeah. We've been saying that for years. We have been called disinformation. We've been called misinformation. We've been blocked on social media. We got kicked off of YouTube for bringing things like this up. The thing that got us thrown off of YouTube was a video where we played Democrats at the beginning of the pandemic saying that this wasn't a big deal and it was totes racist to even talk about it. And then Democrats talking about how scary and super terrifying coronavirus was. And that got us banned from YouTube. Interesting. Just to remind everybody. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to see them basically start not wanting coronavirus to be a thing, but of which I will celebrate no longer being in the idiocy. But that does not mean that I'm immediately going to turn around and go, well, I guess I'm not going to demand that these people be responsible for completely changing our American way of life for the last 24 months. Yeah, I get to be pretty vindictive about everything they've done with COVID. The lives that they have ruined, the unbelievable destruction they have wrought upon the United on, on the United States and people. Like the whole, they've destroyed an entire generation of kids mm-hmm. through destruction of school, social norms, etc. An entire generation of kids is has will have lifelong repercussions from all of this. There's Thousands of people that were killed by this vaccine, dozens of children and probably hundreds of people nationwide have irreparable myocarditis damage that will cripple their hearts for life. We have old. How many thousands of elderly Americans essentially died because they couldn't see their families, that they were stuck in lockdown, confined to their rooms in nursing homes? 
unable to see another individual, unable to even spend time with the, their husband or wife of 70 years. Mm-hmm. They split up couples and locked them down separately in nursing homes for months on end because of coronavirus. Like pictures of, of grandparents hugging their ch- grandchildren through plastic curtains because it's the first time they've been able to see grandma in six months. It's just, it is unbelievably heartbreaking the amount of pain and suffering that COVID has delivered unto people. Not even, then you then even, even count people who lost their entire businesses, mm-hmm. whose jo- life prospects were destroyed by the lockdowns. Everything they built fell apart because, the gov- because of government regulation. Restaurants, even after things opened up, restaurants that failed because they couldn't have enough people they couldn't serve enough people at once all from government regulation millions of americans have suffered incredibly because of this and they're and they're not going to ever get a single apology a single i'm sorry a single amount of sympathy from the people that knowingly pushed the lies about covid and did so for the most selfish reasons possible yeah, you're you're never going to convince me to ignore how convenient all of their reactions to coronavirus. You're never going to convince me how convenient all of the reactions to coronavirus were in pushing the progressive agenda of trying to take over the economy and conduct a great reset on how the world works. Yeah. Now, yeah. And, and and that's normal. Like, never let a good tragedy go to waste. We've all heard them. You know, we all knew that that was like an Obama administration axiom. Um, but I wasn't the only one that had to deal with crazy uh, natural disaster type tragedy. You went home for Christmas. Uh, you, you're from yeah. Colorado. And there were Indeed. massive wildfires. Oh, yeah. That occurred. And... What was it yesterday? Uh, Biden. By the way, I, I uh, let me see if I can find it really quick. Um, I may or may not have saved it. Uh, but Joe Biden was asked if he was going to go visit. You guys can definitely find it on our uh, social media on Twitter or on Facebook um, where Joe Biden was asked uh, if he was going to visit Colorado. This was shortly after the wildfires occurred. And he 100% had no idea what the uh, um, what what the reporter was talking about. This guy had like Joe Biden had no clue why he should care at all about Colorado because he's an idiot. And nobody told him while he was on vacation for the umpteenth time in Delaware at his beach house. Um, But. Uh, He decided to give a speech uh, yesterday regarding uh, the wildfires and uh, talked about literally anything but the wildfires. This is this is the message that the president of the United States, or at least the puppet of the United States, decided to give the residents of Colorado uh, after a thousand. What was it? After a thousand homes were lost in a uh, devastating wildfire. Um, Here's here's what he had to say. You know, we're going to have windmills you can, you're going to see that have 100-yard wingspans, each, each propeller on that, on that uh, um, 
windmill, 100 yards long. So there's so much that is going to be able to be done. And, uh, you know, I, uh, when I visit the National Reviewable Lab, Renewable Lab, Energy Lab, about 20 miles, I said, from here, it's, uh, it's also going to create a significant number of jobs. The reason I'm telling you this is that's no solace that you lost your home now, but it's that we're going to be able to do a lot of renewable things that allow you to not only rebuild, but afford to rebuild and rebuild better, to build back better than it was before. And uh, it includes billions of dollars for wildfire preparedness, resilience, and response to protect homes and public resources. And for Even the Democrat governor, like, looked down at his shoes. Yeah. And was like, Jesus oh, man. Christ, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> oh, you know, the, we're we're going to get you the windmills. And, uh, yeah, they're going to take advantage of this. Oh, sorry, sorry you lost. Sorry you lost your homes, folks. Um, but it's okay. Because yeah. we're now going to put in um, a bunch of windmills? What, what the hell so, is that going to do about wildfires? I don't know. So, so the, the wildfires in Colorado, if, if you haven't seen it on the news, there was, as far as the last I heard, a downed power line started a brush fire. There's been a huge drought on the front range of Colorado for the, the last year, I guess. So everything was extremely dry. They've gotten almost no precipitation yet this winter. Down power line caused a grass fire, but there was a encroaching snowstorm coming over the mountains. And so for the day prior, there were about 100 mile an hour winds whipping down from the mountains across the plains in Colorado. So this brush fire happens there, but it happens in conditions of 100 mile an hour winds. It whips this into a firestorm that blows into a big suburban development and promptly just obliterates a thousand homes. Mm-hmm. One thousand homes went up in smoke in the course of basically one night because the winds were so high, firefighters couldn't, they could do nothing to put them out. And so everybody got evacuated and they just watched as entire suburban housing developments went up in smoke. It's a oh, just incredible tragedy because these people are never going to rebuild their homes in any time scale because, I mean, the supply chain issues, labor issues, you already were having, we were already having massive problems across the country trying to build anything because of these supply chain and labor issues. All of these thousand, these thousand families that lost their homes there's no way they're rebuilding in the next probably five years, maybe. I mean, it just is life-changing for all these people. I don't know how windmills are going to fix that or have literally anything to do with what happened. Well, well, you see, every big tragedy is uh, caused by climate change. Yeah, yeah, basically. Because like, brush fires never happen in Colorado. Not before, apparently. Never, never before, actually. Yeah, it's, we're it, going to solve it with windmills. It's I baffling because you wonder who wrote this, who decided. Yeah, this is a good thing for him to say. This will be great. And I think the real issue is there's nothing else he can say. <laughs> what the, what do these people need? 
What do they need? If the federal government was going to help these people, what do they need? They need the federal government to take action to make it easier for them to rebuild their homes. Yeah, what they and need the is the federal those... government's actions are exactly what is going to make it almost impossible for them to rebuild. What... And Biden can't reverse all those actions because that's what he, because that's what the federal government wants. They want they put through all of these things that have made it almost impossible for them to rebuild. He can't walk it back. So all he can do is offer platitudes about green energy. What they need is those billions of dollars to go into helping those people get their homes back, not building fucking windmills. Yeah. Right. You, you're literally saying, he is literally telling these people, we have enough money to buy you a new home. Yeah. Like, just think about this for, I'm not suggesting that this is the no, federal government. This is a good point. Job, this is a good point. But, but he's, he is literally telling these citizens, the thousand people lost their home saying, we could just buy you a new home. We could literally pay. We have enough money right now. He's saying, I, the president of the puppet of the United States have enough money to literally just buy you a brand new home right now. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to build a bunch of fucking windmills, probably where your suburbia was. Yeah, honestly, they probably looked and said, wow, 100 mile an hour winds. Think of the windmills we could build. Good thing we cleared all these homes. Yeah, and that's a very good point, because it would be instead of instead of rebuilding your homes, we're going to build expensive windmills that don't generate hardly any power and are a giant waste of time and money. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Yeah. I mean, if there if there was a let's go Brandon moment, this this would be a good one. Yeah, it's just my god. Um <laughs> just un un unbelievable. But but I hope every family that heard that discussion comes away thinking this guy's incompetent. I can't trust anything the Democrat Party says. Yeah. I just, I, it's, ugh. Now, um, I don't know if I was really able to get into this, but this will be like the last segment, the last few minutes that we have. I've wanted to bring up, um, there's obviously a long going joke that people have um, on social media where they discuss what they call blue anon which is a joke about the whole QAnon thing because the left gets all uppity um about right. uh q yeah um so they call it blue anon and anytime you see these people uh show uh the psychopathy that comes from the left and the latest blue anon uh conspiracy is uh, when joe biden decided to go back to um, go on vacation for the umpteenth time during the holidays uh, and just disappear, even though Omicron was just going to collapse everything and kill us all. Um, for some reason, the left wing was obsessive about where Ron DeSantis was. And uh, I shared uh, with a lot of our followers that this is literally the best um, campaign thing that Ron DeSantis could use if he wants to um, start pushing for uh, 2024 as a nomination for the presidency, because he could literally say um, when America was facing a supply chain crisis, when there was the Omicron variant, when all of these things were going on, um, even the liberal media 
looked to Ron DeSantis for leadership over Joe Biden because they were so obsessed with where Ron DeSantis was. And it was because during the holidays, um, Ron DeSantis was making public appearances, which, by the way, neither was literally anybody else because it was the holidays. But the left started this conspiracy that Ron DeSantis had uh, coronavirus and he was hiding because he didn't want anyone to know that he had it or something. Right. There were a bunch of conspiracy theories on where Ron DeSantis was and uh, rightfully so because of the hilarious win that they were about to get his press office. um let it keep happening. And the reason why was because they got to come out later and say, actually, Ron DeSantis was accompanying his wife for her cancer treatments because she was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Now, normally, if you were a normal human being who wasn't a psychopath, you would go and just stop talking about it and wander away because you kind of look like an asshole. Um, they did not do that. Instead, um, the newest thing from the left wing is pretending like Ron DeSantis's wife is faking her cancer. Sorry, what? Yep. The left wing media is pretending that Ron DeSantis's wife is, well, the, the, the liberals and some, some outlets are literally questioning whether or not Ron DeSantis's wife even has cancer. This is just a thread from some some left wingers. Um, somebody says Ron DeSantis brought his wife, who is battling breast cancer, to a packed concert. Oh, this is why they're mad to a packed concert on New Year's Eve. This sends a clear message to all in Florida for in, in, uh, for immunocompromised loved ones. So people are upset that uh, even though she has cancer, they're very upset uh, that she was at this event. Because uh, shouldn't she, if she really had cancer, he wouldn't bring her to a public event. Um, and so everybody's now saying uh, maybe his wife doesn't really have cancer. Um, you know, if she still has all of her hair, then she definitely doesn't actually have cancer because she would lose all of her hair. So the left wing media, I promise you, is going to start paying attention to Ron DeSantis's wife's hair to see whether or not she's faking her breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Need I remind you, as we covered a little bit today and, and other times, these are the people that uh, many in the establishment conservative movement say that we should be polite to because maybe they'll be nice. Yeah, these are the people Ted Cruz worries about judging him. They're literally saying that someone's wife is faking cancer. Because just because he's a Republican. So, hey, Ted. And all you other establishment Republicans, um, stop considering the left because they're always going to hate you. Oh, and in case you didn't know, they also want you dead uh, because for those, you know, because they bring pipe bombs to rally events. And also uh, Bernie Sanders volunteers tried to assassinate you at a baseball practice. Also, none of those things were considered threats to our democracy. So just so we're aware. (laughs) Right. But. That's going to have to be it for this week. Um, We'll have more hot takes. Be sure to always share your stuff with us on any of our social media stuff. If you are part of our Subscribestar, go to Subscribestar.com forward slash WrongThinkRadio to join. And you can be part of our Discord as well where you can share stuff with us there. But as always, we will be back next Sunday at noon Eastern. 
for the next two hours to bring you guys all of our facts and analysis. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. And this is Wrong Think Radio. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.